Hey everybody, Chris here. Quick note, today's episode is a little bit different. I am in the hot seat today. I had the opportunity during the International Climbers Festival to sit down with my friend Luke Mihaw uh, from the Climbing Zine and the Dirtbag State of Mind podcast and have a conversation with him about art, entrepreneurship, hip-hop, um, and how all those things can combine and how being creative has driven our life to this point. And I think it's a really fantastic conversation. I had a lot of fun doing it. If you aren't familiar with Luke, um, he is the curator, editor behind The Climbing Zine, which just celebrated its 20th volume and 10 years in the game, which is a huge accomplishment, particularly for a print magazine to be around for the last 10 years, to make its name in the last 10 years, and to still be going strong and getting better and better is incredibly impressive. And I'm always impressed with what Luke does. I admire his willingness to put his creative vision out out there, as well as to let other people have their creative voices in his publication. So thanks, Luke, for setting this up, for having this conversation. I really enjoyed it, and I'm looking forward to all of the interviews in season two of the Dirtbag State of Mind podcast. This conversation you're about to hear kicked off season two, and the second episode of season two was my doppelganger podcaster Chris Calouse. So check that one out while you're over there as well. All right. Let's get into it. Let's start with how we met each other because it was a long and winding road to actually meeting people. I feel like in this industry, there's definitely people you know about, especially in the internet age, right? Like you hear people's names, you see their work before you actually meet them. We were like rock and ice letter to the editor kind of shit. Yeah, exactly. Because you were a climbing rapper. Yep. Still are. Yep. O-dub. More, more rapper, less climbing rapper. Yeah, yeah. There's less <laughs> rapping about climbing, I guess. No one's ever successfully pulled that off. <laughs> um, but uh, you, there's something I wrote into Rock and Ice. I was like, we got a B-boy crew, and we didn't. We were like, totally had no moves. Later, I did like take some break dancing. <laughs> I, I lived with a couple break dancers. And, yeah. And so, so I have like my wedding party or, you know, the circle of the yeah. dance party. I can do like my four break dancing moves. But I was like, yo, well, we don't rap, but we'll challenge you to a battle. And we sent that, I sent that into Rocket Ice in probably 2004. I don't know yep. if you ever saw that. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. I remember yeah. it. Um, and then uh, a bunch of time goes by and I heard you, I think I heard your name up here in Lander. Once I started coming up here like seven or eight years ago. And mm-hmm. I thought you were, a, there was a, two climbers named Chris Hampton because I thought I knew you as this climber rapper. And then I saw your name actually on art up here when, when I yeah. first like, yeah, yeah. Um, heard about you again, it was with art. Yep. And then I realized um, you were the same person, mm-hmm. <laughs> but we yeah. still had never met. There like, is another Chris Hampton. He's Australian, no climber, kidding. photographer. Whoa. Yeah. And does he spell it the same way? Or? He spells it with a C-H. Spells it with a C-H. Yeah. Um, and so I slowly collected in my mind, then I heard you on the Normacast. My perception of who you were was different than the you I'm like getting to know. And I think it was like related to maybe there's like some, like you did a rap about Dean Potter or something. Oh yeah. (laughs) Like I just kind of thought you were just different than I, than who you actually are. But that's what rap is. That's the spirit of rap that you maybe were bringing into climbing in a way, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, I think we all wear a lot of different hats. Like we all have different sides of our personality And one of the most important things about art in all its forms for me, be it music, visual art, you know, written word, whatever, I can express different aspects of my personality through that art. 
And you're not going to get a complete picture of a person unless you see it all combined, you know? Totally. Um, so it's very easy for people to get an idea of who I am based on one thing that they've seen. And I'm okay with that. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. It is part of my personality, so yeah, I'm okay yeah. with it. And I felt like I got to know you a little bit through the EnormaCast interview. Um, and then we just kind of started peripherally working together. And I'd see you more here at the Climbers Festival. We never, I don't think, actually truly met face-to-face because we are kind of internet friends. Yep. And then there was a fire drill at a gym yeah, totally. in, in, Denver. in Denver. And I just right. looked over and I was like, you're Chris Hampton. <laughs> and we finally met. Yeah. And so I, I feel like I've had the pleasure with, yeah, just connecting with you a little bit. And we're doing a creativity and climbing workshop here mm-hmm. in a little bit here at the Climbers Festival. Um, but I really, you know, I'm trying to connect every interview to this season of the podcast based around my, around my book, The Desert. Yeah. And you really connect in a lot of ways, like the hip hop, the creativity, and, but especially being an independent artist yeah. in an b- independent business. And I feel like, you know, we're in our 40s. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll be 47 this year. He'll be 47. I'll be 43 this year. And we are kind of, in some ways, for lack of a better term, like OGs in, yeah. in, the, in the culture it's funny, of climbing. It's funny you say that because yesterday when I was putting this hat on, I asked my wife, should I tuck my ears in OG style or should I leave them out <laughs> little kid style? Yeah. And she was like, I don't know. You do what you want. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like because we are OGs, uh, and I don't know if you feel that way, but I feel like uh, um, I want to impart what, whatever I can yeah. for, for free to the next generation Absolutely. and just really give. And I, and I guess that's why you're making time with me right now and, and we're making time for that workshop because we're not getting paid for any of right. this. And right. I think it's a beautiful thing about the Climbers Festival is it costs us money <laughs> to be here. You know, like yeah. I, you know, this is not... In some ways, it's a branding thing, but I just like the exchange of ideas, mm-hmm. um, and I really get inspired by the Lander climbing community. But I want to go back just to the very beginning of let's do it. Um, you know, because obviously the younger generation can learn from us in some ways, but then some stuff is just foreign. But yeah, totally, um, you know, and I'm sure like tapes. Like I was talking to a younger. I'm also a big Grateful Dead fan. I was yeah. talking to this 28 year old about. Um, the Grateful Dead, and he didn't collect tapes. Mm. And I was like, that's the difference. That's the difference between a 42-year-old deadhead and... And I even never saw The Grateful Dead. You know, right. I'm still, like, young in in that sense. But where does this all begin for you of having... You know, you, you work... You're, you're, the, you're the boss, you know? Mm-hmm. You, uh, you work for yourself, and I know a lot of people want to get to that, but... Where where does your like ten thousand hour journey? Because I'm sure you got maybe ten thousand hours twice at this point with how many different interests you have. But where does this whole journey to becoming like an independent businessman artist begin? Actually, it's that that's an interesting question because I think all of the things I do, even though they can look really different from the outside looking in, they're all rooted in the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's music, writing, art, training people the podcast, whatever, is all rooted in in sharing my ideas, sharing the things that are important to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just fucking love to make things and give them to people. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one of my biggest passions. And I think that's, that's kind of where it starts. You know, when I was, I released my first hip hop, tape in 1991 as odeb uh, no that name, name was given to me much later okay um after i became a climber uh-huh um at the time it was this was back in the days of horrible names uh it was crazy k <laughs> k-r-a-z-double-e-k and I don't think anyone knows that, but you and all the people all right. listening now. Well, if anyone knows about hip hop, every <laughs> hip hop artist had another name. Like yeah. Biggie, Biggie Smalls was, uh, um, fuck, I can't remember now. But yeah, every rapper had a bad yeah. name before they got to their current one. Yeah, so, all right. horrible Cra- names crazy K. out there. <laughs> and, uh, and I put this tape out in high school and started hearing people playing it in high school, even people that didn't like me, like that we were like enemies, <laughs> they would be playing my tape. Wow. And I'd be like, oh, where'd you get that tape? You know? Um, and I just loved the aspect of being a little bit anonymous behind mm. 
the work. Like yeah. Letting the work do what it was going to do on its own. Uh-huh. Um, and then it, you know, then people receive it how they want to. Mm-hmm. And, and I love that part of it. I can make it for a reason and then people receive it maybe with an entirely different thing in mind. Mm-hmm. You know, they may hate it. They may love it. It may resonate with them on some huge level. I, I have no idea, but I love that it's doing that, that it's out there taking on a life of its own. So, so how do you go from uh, Crazy K coming out with your mixtape um, to, I guess, you know, like starting, like when, when did you start working for yourself and like how did you get to that place? Well, my, my very first like entrepreneurial venture, I actually found a cardboard sign uh, after my grandfather died and I was going through his stuff, I found a cardboard sign he had kept that I had stenciled Hampton Detective Agency on. <laughs> and like, no case too small, 25 cents, <laughs> you know? So so I've kind of been doing it forever. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, but I'm sure you, ha- did you have a nine to five at some point? Like I had a nine to five, I was yeah. a mural artist. Okay. I, I yeah. painted murals. I, I, I originally owned my own company and then I sold it to someone else. Gotcha. Because I didn't like the business side of it. Yeah. I just wanted to paint. Uh-huh. Um, so I ended up running a different mural company that absorbed mine. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how I funded my rapping at the time. It's mm-hmm. how I funded the beginning of Power Company. And that's um, like, that's definitely a recommended path, I feel like. There's, yeah. you know, to have that side hustle, I guess, yep. is what the term is now. Yeah, and but if you're really passionate about it, you'll make yeah, time for it. Totally, dude. You know, totally. And, it, and it's a good way to weed out yeah. the things you're not really passionate about. Because yeah, yeah, if yeah. you're not, you won't make time for it. Yeah, yeah. So. Especially when you're young, you have more time than ever. <laughs> yeah. Like your, your 20s, you have basically have more time than you'll exactly. ever have in your life. I was, I was really lucky to come up in Cincinnati at a time when the underground hip-hop scene was really centralized in Cincinnati. We had Scribble Jam, uh-huh. uh, this big festival every year for underground hip-hop, graffiti writers, breakdancers, DJs, and all the names you know would would come to Cincinnati and perform. And I would open up for a lot of these artists. And cool. I, would, I would get to see the way these underground labels moved. You know, So I got to see the like a little bit of behind the scenes and talk to people in Def Jux and in Rhyme Sayers and mm-hmm. uh, the Living Legends crew and mm-hmm. see how these crews moved. Mm-hmm. And, and I've, I've shaped my entire business model based on that, based on how an underground hip-hop label moves, grows their audience, puts product out. You know, the, the podcasts on my mixtape, mm-hmm. um, it, it just goes out for free and brings people in, you mm-hmm. know, and then I'm creating merch constantly, new things, that was something big that, releases uh, now and then. Not, not to cut you off, but uh, that was something someone told me early on of give stuff away for free, and I thought it was like the most bullshit advice. And some people like, still do. Some people are like, never give anything away for free. And I'm like, dude, wow, that's that's been my biggest advertisement, yeah. and I don't pay for it. Yeah. Free wins too. Yeah. Like that's, I'm, I'm a big believer. Like that guy told me that it was actually Tom Shadak, the guy who directed like Ace Ventura. And oh, stuff. nice. I think he's connected to Memphis Rock somehow as yep, well. I think so. He's, he, but he's a good guy. But I was like, you're full of shit. You're a millionaire. Like you're telling me to give me my books away for free when I don't have anything. And then right. I took him, I like, I did it. And now I just like, I'll probably give, you know, I gave 500 or 600 zines away at this festival. And right. it's, it's kind of the, the best thing. But yeah, I just wanted to highlight that for, for anyone like, yeah. You know, because you, I think a lot of people, young people, start and they wonder like, where do they go and how mm-hmm. do how do they really like really start something? And I think it's like being at things like this and giving things away for free. And so you've obviously had that like you got that from the hip hop culture. Yeah, and I think yeah. you have to you know value your worth, mm-hmm. um, but you also have to separate that from the things that you can give away for free. Yeah, you know those labels. Yeah. Those labels will make mixtapes. They'll do yeah. little community shows for free. But if mm-hmm. somebody wants to book them at a festival, they're going to charge them. Yeah, for exactly. It, yeah, you know? yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. you have to determine what your worth is. Yeah. And determine how you can still live and exist, but what things can I still give away for free? You know? And that's a great point because in the outdoor industry there's definitely um 
your time should be valued and there's there's a lot of murky areas of of getting free product or right. getting right. exposure totally um so yeah you should always have your price um but I, and i think that's the zine operates in the same way it's yeah. like you know um people we well, we we both rely on people to like use our products and right. And, and talk that's about like it. Super key. And spread it around to their friends, you know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Hand to hand advertisement, you know, yeah. mouth to mouth, face to face. That's that's the best. Totally. Well, now we're on the topic of hip hop. Um, you know, a mutual friend of ours, uh, Devin Dabney. Yeah. Who's another person I've never met him in person, but mm. we've worked together so he much. He was just here a like couple of weeks ago. Oh man. Um, but he wrote this article that you did some art for in the most recent zine called um, "Get Sends or Die Trying," which yeah. is a great name, I thought. Great um, article. And it was it was a brilliant article. It was almost an article that I would have been pissed if I didn't publish it because right. cause originally it was going to get published in another publication. <laughs> yeah. And for various reasons, they didn't do it. But it was so brilliant. Um, so yeah. I just want to talk to you about where you see the intersection of of hip hop and climbing, and in what Devin's article might have opened up because it opened up for for me things I'd never thought about. And for anyone that hasn't read the article, it just compares the archetype of the gangster in hip hop and the dirtbag in yeah. climber and brings out an, an intersectionality, uh, obvious differences, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I think uh, it's really interesting because, you know, as a as a white person in hip hop from the time I was, you know, 10, 11 years old, um, starting break dancing and then eventually rapping starting rapping when i was 14 or 15 mm-hmm. um i only recently started being concerned about am i appropriating mm-hmm. like having that conversation with myself mm-hmm. and it's interesting because that was never a conversation amongst my black friends mm-hmm. amongst the hip hop community never a conversation mm-hmm. not one time mm-hmm. you know um do you think it was the times I think it was largely just because we were all there for the love of it. And we yeah, all knew yeah, that. We yeah. were all interacting with it regularly. It wasn't wasn't a thing I found, changed my wardrobe overnight, decided I was going to be a rapper, yeah. and started rapping. It was this thing that I gradually moved into. I knew all these people from the skating rinks or mm-hmm. from the hip-hop shows you know, when I was old enough to get into the clubs. Mm -hmm. And so we all grew up together. Um, But it's definitely something I've thought a lot more about. And I love that Devin connected the climbing world with the hip-hop world in the way that he did. Just drawing these parallels between the the gangster archetype and the dirtbag archetype and, and how we've sensationalize them both and maybe maybe misrepresented both you know in doing so yeah um super interesting to me yeah i love the way his brain thinks yeah yeah and i thought the most interesting thing was the they're both coloring in the lines of rebellion within society right um and i think that's um I, I've realized that like white privilege is was a big part of my dirtbag experience, you know, just like doing Absolutely. the board, like, you know, John's, my hip hop experience. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, John Stewart, um, made this quote that is like, if I was black, I would, I would be in jail for just the stupid shit I did. Mm-hmm. And like a, a long sentence in jail, if he was black, just for the things that white males totally tend to get away with, with yeah. law enforcement. Um, I've gotten away with so much in my life. I mean, and it's interesting because I have, I have three felonies on my record. Jesus. I've from graffiti stuff or, or you don't have to no, from, yeah. from stealing cars. <laughs> okay, gotcha. Nice. Um, <laughs> that sounds like a short story. I was super into <laughs> boosting cars wow. when I was 18 years old. Wow. Wow, epic. Um, so I was sentenced to four and a half years in prison. I only did 6 months Jeez. and then got out. Damn, dude. And and if I were to be that same 20-year-old kid, I would say what do you mean privilege? You know, I don't have yeah. privilege. I yeah. just got out of prison right. and you know, I grew up in a poor, poor community and, but that's not what it's about. So many people miss that. I had the fact that I got out after six months is because I was, you know, seen as a middle-class white kid. Mm-hmm. 
if I had been a black kid, it would have been an entirely different story. Mm-hmm. And and I got away with so many things that I did and didn't get punished for, or my record would be 10 times as long. Mm-hmm. Privilege goes deeper than just the, you know, I had or didn't have. Mm-hmm. It's what the system allowed me and didn't allow me. Yeah, and I, I think a big thing of Devin's article too was it, it's it's a lot of it's male privilege too. Like absolutely, the, I checked the, all the boxes. You check the boxes, <laughs> you know. Yeah, and well, then you have like a a Fifty Cent or a Jay Z, um, especially like a Fifty Cent. You know, he's he's very much and Jay Z's embraced the capitalism too. But I think we all see Jay Z as the high priest of of the hip hop world. And he does a lot of like number. He's like, you know, I can't help the poor if I'm one of them type right. of just like, right. you know, Jay-Z is, is the icon. Um, but yeah, 50 cent is kind of like brazenly just embracing capitalism and is like, I'm going to fucking vote for Trump because my taxes are going to be lower, right. you know, right. But 50 cent is the gangster outlaw. And that's the get censor day. Die trying was mm-hmm. after 50 cents. Yeah. Um, super get rich or die trying or get rich or die trying famous, uh, way he uh exploded on to the hip-hop scene yeah um how long does your climbing rapping like how long were you a climber rapper and how did that all like transpire man i'm horrible at dates so i have i have really no clue um it started because i was i was in a studio Mm -hmm. um and I th- I'm pretty sure I was the only white person using this studio. Mm-hmm. Um, my friend Gino Vega ran the studio. I was doing some things with his label, Power Blast. And I was in there recording and decided I wanted to loosen up and just play around. Mm-hmm. And I had written these lyrics about offwits. Mm-hmm. And I, at the time, I was super into climbing offwits written these lyrics that I thought were hilarious. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, he's going to have no idea what I'm talking about, you mm-hmm. know, but let me loosen up. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, you know, put the, the super thug beat on. Uh-huh. Um, he puts that on. I do this song just playing around. And then I come out of the booth and there are all these like super thugged out guys <laughs> waiting for their session. Uh-huh. And they, they had all been in in the room listening and the the booth was in an old bank vault so there was no glass i couldn't see who's in there so i'm just wiling out uh-huh. you know doing what i'm doing i come out and these guys are like what what the fuck is off with you know mm-hmm. and within 30 minutes they had all started using and did for the next several months using the word off with instead of off the chain or off the hook <laughs> Oh, I you know? love that. And then that morphed into them calling me off with and giving me the name O-Dub. Um, and I put that out on the internet and it exploded uh-huh. and I made a bunch more, uh-huh. you know. What was your, you got a 99 problems, but. 99 problems, <laughs> but this pitch ain't one. Yeah, I think that was one of the first O-Dub things I ever saw. Yeah, I was doing a yeah. lot of like parodies of of other existing songs. And then I got a little bored with that uh-huh. and moved into all original stuff. That's where the Dean Potter song happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, you know, I, I did a few albums, three or four climbing albums. Uh-huh. I, I don't remember how many. Uh-huh. And then I basically retired it until Devin was doing it. Yeah. And then I collaborated with Devin on a couple of songs because I had seen him mention me in places on the internet. Uh-huh. And I had talked to him once or twice in person at like a shoe demo and a comp. Uh-huh. And, and I just loved what he was doing, and he's so much better at it than I ever was. Mm-hmm. And it just felt like this honor to collaborate with him. Mm-hmm. So I feel the same way. I mean, he contributed all the music to this. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely, he's in that phase too. I mean, it would it would be awesome if his he was here right now because we're in this phase of we're in our forties and and we've got our kind of careers developed, and he's like got <clears> so much going on. He's and, and I was that was at that stage when I was thirty of. Because I think we there's a lot of stereotypes of you know you get out of college and then you get your job or whatever. But I think your artistic and professional paths you can have these moments of even when you're in your 30s or 40s that you're like I have to make some really big decisions now and it's terrifying. Yeah. But I think if if we all 
in our in this climbing community, like my vision for the climbing community is just to have people you can rely on. Like we've we've made it mm-hmm. to this point now where someone in the younger generation can look to our generation in and have some sort of blueprint that like this is actually a path to be like an independent because right. when you think about it, I mean there's a lot of up and coming things, but there aren't that many long term super independent kind of you're not exactly a, a one person, um, a one man show, but you're you're definitely a small independent business for sure. Um, and we're we're talking about this before things started, so this would be this would be perfect to to kind of um, go into that. But what what uh, what is your vision of like is being independent a way to enrich your life that you don't have a boss that you have to report to? Is it just something that naturally happened, or is like is being independent and keeping your own tempo with your own business and not just going for the maximum profit. Is that, is that something that naturally happened beginning Mm -hmm. with, you know, having your mural business and the mixtapes or is it, did you have to make that decision at some point? Like I really want to be independent. You know, honestly, my life would be so much simpler if I just had a boss to tell me what to do and I had a normal schedule, I would be climbing harder. My life would be easier but it wouldn't be fulfilling for me at yeah. all. Mm-hmm. And that's what it all comes down to. Yep. Like I said in the very beginning of this thing, I really love making things and giving it to people. I love the act of mentorship. And for me, the podcast, the training plans, you know, I put out so much free content and have for a decade plus. Mm-hmm. Um, I do that as a form of mentorship mm-hmm. you know um i love it uh, you know i only have so much capacity to connect with people on a one-on-one basis like Devin and i do you know we talk a lot about these things and mm-hmm. he's always looking to me for advice and, and i love being able to give it to him um but i i hear from so many people who listen to the podcast and get something out of it or who had a light bulb moment because they did a training plan and mm-hmm. recognized something or you know that means so much more to me than if i'm just working in a shop somewhere mm-hmm. and that doesn't mean that working in a shop somewhere is a bad thing mm-hmm. this is just my my needs mm-hmm. you know for me to exist as a human, I have to be creating. Mm-hmm. I, I mm-hmm. can't not do it. Yeah. And and I worked long and hard to make make a situation where me creating means I can also make a living. Yeah. Um, and was that a struggle for another you way. to get to that point? Did you... I mean, it sounds like you started... You know, I, I, I started my business much later or started starting businesses. It sounds like you had that entrepreneurial spirit hampton detective agency (laughs) exactly um (laughs) like do you i mean do you have some struggles to share or do you have some insight to share um with with that process and the uncertainty yeah you know there was a moment uh three years ago i think in waco tanks where we were kind of living this dream life where my daughter had just turned 18 Mm -hmm. i Gave her my house in Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Felt like I was the, you know, luckiest, most privileged person on the planet to be able to do that. Yeah. You know, to hand over something to her to help her in a way that my parents never could for mm-hmm. me. Yeah. Um, but we, like, my wife and I drove away from Cincinnati with my daughter, like, standing in the driveway, waving and crying, <laughs> you know, yeah, like... Yeah total role reversal right and we just went on this you know a couple year long road trip living in our truck camper and um first out of my element then out of a truck camper and we were in waco tanks in our truck camper and i remember laying on the floor of the truck camper just going i'm shutting it all down i'm fucking shutting it all down it's done i can't do it anymore because it is a struggle, you know, yeah. you'd like, especially as you start to grow. If I kept it a one man show, yeah, it, it wouldn't have been much of a struggle, uh-huh. you know, because mm-hmm. it was a side hustle for a lot of years, giving away free content as yeah. a blog, then as the podcast then training plans. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'd kept it a one man show, mm-hmm. 
relatively smooth sailing. Mm -hmm. But as soon as I bring people in, which I need to be able to grow, to be able to improve my quality of life, you know, I brought Lana in to help. Nate came on as a coach. Mm -hmm. Um, All that stuff made my life easier. But then I also felt this responsibility for them. Mm -hmm. And that made it harder, Mm -hmm. you know. And I was letting the idea that we need to keep growing into my head. Mm. And as you do that, even though from the outside it looks like, oh, things are exploding, good for them, it also comes with a boatload of headache. Mm-hmm. And and that's what was happening. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, I, I used to be fast enough to run behind this thing and keep up. Mm-hmm. And now it's pulled away from me and I can barely see it in the distance. And I feel like I'm losing it, and I'm ready to shut it the fuck down. Mm-hmm. You know, you and it took like burnout it took a couple point, days for me to or, get out of there. Yeah, do you feel like that was a burnout, or I think it was. Yeah, and maybe because I was spinning my wheels doing the same things. Yeah, I had, you know, we, we constantly hear this like these ideas of how you're supposed to run your business, conduct your business. You can't give anything away for free. You know. Um, Hustling is bad for your health, you know. Mm-hmm. It's all about, you know, creating boundaries and all about rest time. And I'm like, well, I still have to fucking hustle. What am I doing wrong here? Yeah, you yeah know? I'm not living the four hour. You heard of that four hour, four work, hour week? work week? Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's bullshit for a yeah. independent small climbing business. Yeah, <laughs> I, I do four hours of work while I'm sleeping. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, but then I just decided, you know what? What I've been doing has worked. I like doing creative things. So, like, you were literally, you, you hit that point where you, you didn't know. If, were you just at a crossroads or were you at, like, that point? You're like, I don't know if I can do this. Yeah. For wow. a couple days, wow. it felt like like crisis moment. Sure. Yeah. Like, from the outside, everything looked great. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But on the inside, uh. it was, like, shit exploding all around me. <laughs> yeah. And I just felt, I felt super isolated in it mm-hmm. at that moment. And. And then you you branched out and started a team from that point. Is that kind of what took uh, the pressure had, off you? Or I had a little team that was yeah. for me was creating more pressure because yeah. I felt pressure to keep them busy to gotcha. help them make money. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Ultimately, what I think helped me get out of it was allowing myself to be creative again. Mm. Like I had gotten too wrapped up in what I'm supposed to do. Air quotes. Yeah, yeah. For for a business. Uh huh. And then I decided, you know what? I'm going to be creative. I'm going to make some new shit. Yeah. I'm going to, you know, talk about whatever the hell I want to on the podcast. Yeah. I'm just going to be as authentic as I can be for a little while, see what happens. I'm going to flip the idea of what we're supposed to do as a business on its head and see what happens. So, you know, you've really been, I think, on my radar for that maybe time period like i've just started listening to your podcast in, in the last few years um so did you were you originally just training like material that you were you were creating yeah it started as yeah. a blog okay that was just me deciding i wanted to be the best climber i could be what's in- a blog Exactly. When was that? Is that like a mixtape? <laughs> they, they were little notebooks that you passed around with yeah, your friends totally um Started as a blog where I was just giving like my training experimentation, mm-hmm. and that evolved into training advice. And and can I also sorry I'm I'm uploading yeah, yeah. a question on a question, but were you like obsessed with off with, and then you transitioned into sport climbing? Is that yeah? I quit climbing. Okay, I was super you, obsessed with crack climbing. Yeah, yeah. And then I kind of ran out of hard cracks to do around sure. me. Yeah, yeah. Um. And just got bored with it yeah. and wanted to do other things. Yeah. And I quit climbing to focus on music for about five years. Wow. wow. I would climb once or twice a year. Yeah. I was still climbing like 512 cracks off the couch. Yeah. And then one day I went sport climbing with yeah. my friend Yasmin uh-huh. and tried to get up this 11A sport route uh-huh. and couldn't. I, I think I remember you, you. Did you tell the story in the podcast recently? Yeah. That really so. inspired me actually to hear like, yeah. oh, wow. Um, okay. Couldn't get yeah, up yeah, there. Yeah. Yasmin had to finish it for me. Uh-huh. Then I tried to top rope it and clean it and couldn't get to the top. And wow. she had to clean it for me. Wow. And then I was like, wow, I suck at this. Yeah. I want to get better at this. Yeah. You know, this, this failure brought me some joy uh-huh. that I want to 
explore further. Yeah. So that's when I sort of transitioned into sport. Wow. Okay. Okay. So you're doing the blog, um, but you're not, because I know now you focus on a lot of wide ranging conversations. Mm -hmm. Um, That's that it can, a lot of it connects to community. Um, Yeah. It started as a, training yeah. blog. Yeah. And, you know? and do you think that's or what... Or training podcast. Do you think that's what led you to the burnout is that you weren't embracing your creative side? Because this reminds me of a conversation I had with, uh, you know, Chris Parker, yep. uh, musician. Yep. He, he's, totally. he's he's one of the few people I've, I've heard of this, the, like the pull between music and climbing. Mm-hmm. Um, but do you think, yeah, you think you're, you're, you didn't have that, you weren't fulfilling that creative Yeah, I think so. Or, yeah. It, I think when we listen to that like here's the here's the step by step business advice here's how you make a business and you're taking someone else's business plan and trying to apply it to yours it completely strips away all personality mm. from it yeah yeah um yeah. maybe not completely but but to some degree the personality the the authenticity ends up stripped away and all of these businesses end up looking the same mm-hmm. you know and inevitably, they all fail because of that, or mm-hmm. many of them do. Mm-hmm. Um, I was feeling like I needed to listen to that business advice because I didn't know it. Mm. And it wasn't until I really embraced the idea of this is an independent hip hop label. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's an independent hip hop label masquerading as a climbing training company, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I need to release new material. Yeah, I need to, I need to be creative with my new material. That's when I started feeling like, okay, now I got it and I can keep rolling with it and keep building it. And, and you're, you're exactly right. The podcast started as a training podcast. Mm -hmm. And there are times when I feel pressure to like talk more about training, but in my mind, it's more of a become a better climber. Mm -hmm. Um, not necessarily become better at climbing mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. Become a better climber, a better partner, a better community member, a better, yeah. you know, steward at the crag. Whatever mm-hmm. it is, I want to help you improve at that. Yeah, and you're you're facilitating. Um, I think tough conversations. That that's a beauty of podcasts because, you know, um, a lot of us live in these. A lot of us white males live in these rural areas where it's just a lot of other white people. And yeah. I think there's conversations people might want to have with people. They just don't know who to reach out to. Right. And by reaching out to different people in the community and um, people from different races and different backgrounds, like you're you're facilitating a conversation that people maybe have the craving to have, but they don't they don't have the luxury of yeah. having people to reach out to 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 have that conversation. Yeah. Um yeah, what what are what are your thoughts on on the conversations you've had in that realm and in the growth that you've been looking for? Um that's what I'm assuming, you know, that's what I look for in myself. I'm always trying to grow and for sure. Um, and we're obviously like at a big social reckoning. Like I think I'm super impressed with this younger generation and they seem a more committed to like social justice, racial justice than maybe our generation was able to do. Absolutely. Um, and, but I know we are part of that younger generation too, but they, I feel like they, they are maybe it, it's maybe held on a higher pedestal for whatever reason than yeah. our generation was, was able we, to do. But we are to some degree, you and I both and many other people are the mentoring voices for this generation. Who's, way smarter than us who mm-hmm. thinks more deeply about yeah. these things that really matter yep. than we ever did. Yeah. You know, it's so funny cause it goes against the stereotype, you know, like sometimes you can get old and crusty and write the younger generation oh, yeah, off, but it's like, sure. honestly, at this point, I'm like more disappointed in the, the older generation than 100%. us. And, yeah. And then obviously there's like factions of people that are activists in those generations, yeah. but just absolutely you, you look at just how this this generation um, is is coming together and like doing important work and facilitating conversations and um, yeah, I, yeah. I think often about uh, maybe often is the wrong word, but I do think to myself a few times a year like what are my biggest greatest fears? Mm-hmm. And it used to be that I would be the kind of father my father was. Mm, gotcha. And and I've I've made sure I didn't do that. Mm-hmm. You know, my daughter is twenty four. Mm-hmm. She has a daughter, mm-hmm. so. I know I did better than my dad did yeah. by a long shot. Mm-hmm. So my new fear is that I become 
old and crusty. Yeah, and, me too. And I'm not keeping my mind open to yeah. this younger generation. Yeah, yeah. Um, total side note here, because I have a history with Devin of like saying, oh, we're going to do this thing and then we uh-huh. have to do it. Yeah, yeah. Devin and I have been talking about doing a hip hop podcast that's like old head, new head, uh-huh. where it's like I... I play an album for him yeah. that was seminal for me in uh-huh. my young years and what I learned from it, what it meant to me, what it means to me now. And then he plays me an album that I may not have listened to because I'm, I am an old crusty hip hop head. You know? Yeah. I think I heard a conversation with you and him and uh, Mario and you were like Mario Stanley and you were yeah. like, Bra- Action Bronson is the newest rapper I've heard of. Like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Like, <laughs> no, I, I try to keep up on it, but my daughter actually likes a lot of the same music I like. Uh-huh. So I end up thinking I'm getting the young rappers from her, but I'm not actually. Yeah, yeah. So any anyway, uh, that was total side note. I'm just throwing that out there so that Mar- or Devin and I have to do that podcast. All right, I love it. I love it. <laughs> um, so creativity and, and that's why we're kind of here in the park today i'm excited last time we did a, a workshop on a sunday at the lander bar which yeah. was yeah i don't know how that got that post bat, like past our radars there. that wasn't a good idea but yeah we still had a good conversation mm-hmm. and and we'll have like luck we'll have like 10 people we can just you know be really like just have yeah. a great conversation with for an hour hour and a half but i was listening to an interview with kobe bryant one of kobe bryant's last interviews and he was he, he did a lot of writing actually later on with like mm-hmm. animation and children's yeah. books and his animated short is amazing. I've never seen it. I just watched it a few months ago. What's amazing. it called? Ah, uh, I was going to say For the Love of Basketball, but I don't think something that's like right. That, it's yeah, something yeah. like that because yeah. it reminded me of Love and Basketball, the movie. Okay. Yeah. The title did. But he, God, he was so brilliant. Um, but he was talking about how creativity really comes from... Um, organization and purpose and like yeah getting getting writing every morning or whatever yeah um purpose. Does, do you feel the purpose same is huge for me purpose is huge yeah like so you seem like you're in a, a good place where you're you like you you've made that leap of the burnout of three years ago to yeah. where you're at now is that a correct assumption you feel like you're in a good place with absolutely your creativity i feel and i feel really good about what my purpose is mm-hmm. and the direction of it and i feel like my mind is open enough to shift gears or change directions when needed, as well as, and maybe most important, admit when I'm wrong about something and, and have that conversation. And, and I prefer to have those conversations out in the open. Yeah, yeah. Where everybody else can learn from my mistake mm-hmm. in a really visceral way. You yeah, know, it's not yeah. just me saying, I made a mistake, sorry, mm-hmm. we're moving on. Yeah, yeah. It's more like, Hey, where did I fuck up? Like, yeah, yeah. Really tell me what was wrong. Yeah. How can I, what do I need to do to make it better? Even if that's me having this conversation with myself. Yeah, you know? right. I, I like to yeah. do that in person. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like there have been some conversations I've had on my podcast that really directed me without me realizing it at the time. Yeah. And I'm able to look back now and say, oh, these were important moments mm-hmm. in the podcast mm-hmm. which were like talking with Shelma Jun mm-hmm. um talking with Brown Girls Climb which I did mm-hmm. sitting here in the park uh-huh. um that was a great episode at a climbers yeah. festival yeah. we just sat in a circle and talked and i've learned so much from those women mm-hmm. over the years mm-hmm. that now i feel like they're my mentors mm-hmm. i'm i'm older than all of them yeah. but they're way smarter than i am mm-hmm. and they mm-hmm. think about this stuff in a way that i don't mm-hmm. And I'm trying to learn too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So those things are important to me. And I've gotten this pushback from some climbers, which which I am 100% for. Bring the pushback. Mm -hmm. I I relish it. For having those conversations or like straying from training? Yeah, yeah, lots of people who are like, oh, you're just becoming a social justice warrior now. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I'm a human. That, That should be. You should be a social justice warrior if you're a human, period. Yeah. yeah. So if if that's how you see me, great. Yeah. yeah. I hope you do. Yeah. You know, um, there's pushback I will listen to and say, okay, you're right. And then there's pushback like that, that I'll be like, well, I hope you do okay living in the human race without caring about these things. 
Yeah, know? or maybe you'll win them over in the long term too. Yeah, maybe so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like to hide the. I've made this reference several times this weekend. I like hiding the medicine in the food. Yeah, yeah. You know? I think it's really effective. So yeah. I'm not gonna constantly post on Instagram about social justice issues. Mm -hmm. I, I will if I've read into it, believe in it, understand what I'm posting. But I'm going to keep talking about training and climbing too. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to slip these things in and, and maybe change some people's minds. Maybe piss yeah. some people off. Mm -hmm. That's okay. Well, that's really interesting, like, take on creativity, you know? Like, because I really, yeah. I look at creativity in the sense of, of writing, you know? Because yeah. that's, that's kind of my, like, 99% of my outlet of creativity mm -hmm. is, is within the space of writing and, and creating the zine. And you're, like... Um, looking at it from just being open-minded and creative with being in the world and having conversations you've had and then like having, you know, like you said, ha admit, putting your failures out there on record and then going back and, and like refining who you are as a human. Like that's yeah. such an interesting take on I'm constantly re-examining my assumptions. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's really what it comes down to. And I'm an, I'm an ADD creative. Me too. Like yeah. I have way too many things I want to do. Yeah. Did they put you on Ritalin when you were a child? <laughs> no, they no. didn't. I don't even know if Ritalin was a thing in my neighborhood. Like doctors <laughs> yeah. weren't even a thing in gotcha, my neighborhood. Gotcha. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I have been able to really tap into my creativity as of late by taking an idea I want to impart to everyone mm -hmm. and then finding a bunch of different ways to say it mm -hmm. um, because I'm such a uh, scattered creative. I'm mm -hmm. like, Oh, I want to draw a thing mm -hmm. that people can recognize this idea in. I want to write a thing. I want to have a conversation about it. I want to make a video about it. You know, I want to make a song about it. Um, so I've been able to tap into my creativity that way, mm -hmm. which, which has felt really good and really fills me up. Mm -hmm. You know, I've talked to Devin about this a little mm -hmm. bit where I, I'll do my creative work. And then if I go out to my gym to climb, a lot of us think of climbing as this creative thing. But I can't be creative if I've spent all my creative energy at work. Yeah, yeah. You know? And yeah. then if I'm at work doing busy work, yeah. just business stuff, I can go out in the gym and be creative. Yeah. I have all this creative energy left over. Uh -huh. um, so I can bring climbing into that as well. Yeah, yeah. Either go out and do my circuits mm -hmm. when I can't be creative mm -hmm. or go out into the gym and make up problems mm -hmm. being creative. Yeah. Um, I've gotten better at spreading it around. Uh -huh. That's worked really well for me. Yeah. Wow. That's super interesting. A couple raindrops coming down. Sure are. We need them top five hip-hop MCs oh, to, man. to wrap this up on. Dead or Alive? Oh, of course. Devin and I were just having this conversation a couple of weeks ago. Um, do you want them in order or not in order? Bro. <laughs> in order, of course. <laughs> I don't know if that's possible. Uh, Q-tip, number one. Wow, I love that. Uh, three stacks, number two. Oh, that's historically my number one. He's very close. That's why I asked in order. I have a hard time. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. With one and do you, two. All right. Do you think Tribe has... I've been noticing this lately. I feel like Tribe, to me, has more like longer staying power than Outcast, longevity-wise. Maybe I just listen to Outcast too much <laughs> in a certain time period, but... Yeah, I don't know. Um, I can listen to Tribe more. Yeah. Because the stuff I really love from Outcast is a little more boombastic. Yeah. Like I need to be higher energy when I'm listening <laughs> to over it. Baghdad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. True. Okay. I got you. Yeah. But Tribe, I can yeah. like put on the record at home while I'm cleaning the house. Like you're putting on an actual record. Oh, yeah. I love that. All right. Yeah. Like we, yeah. we play vinyl at my house yeah, quite I, I a bit. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I put on... Um, the low end theory regularly. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's sitting on my record player I love right that. now. Actually, I love that. Um, love that. So for me, it does have more staying power. Yeah, yeah. But I get so excited when I hear an Andre three thousand verse. Yeah. As the rest of the world does. Yeah. Um. So you might be right. Maybe because yeah. I'm older. Yeah. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah. Um. So, so Q tip Andre three thousand. 
Uh, my definition of MC, Black Thought has to be in there. He hasn't made the best songs, mm-hmm. like in, in terms of like popularity or sales. But as an MC, I can't not have Black Thought in there. And his freestyle that he did a couple years ago was oh, just proved like... Ridiculous. Yeah, it was insane. Yeah. Ridiculous. It was like nine minutes or something. Yeah, Amazing. Uh, look that up, hip-hop fans. If you're, if you're still listening and you're, uh, you're yeah. a Black Thought uh, hip-hop fan. Yeah. Um, God, this is hard. I really want to put Eminem on there because of how he impacted me when I was younger. He was a Scribble Jam alumni. Really? You know, yeah. No shit. So you um, saw him a lot when, wow. he, when he was younger. That's and, incredible. And I would spend time in Detroit because it was wow. not far from Cincinnati. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, spend time at the hip hop shop. And so that whole Detroit crew and Cincinnati crew wow. were a little like sisters. Yeah. You know? Um, so you, you saw Eight Mile in real life. <laughs> well, I mean, tiny, tiny, tiny bits of it. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. I mean, was he? Um, was he there? Was there a time where he wasn't? Was he where he was just okay, or was he always like commanded? He, when I first, well, he had a, a really great um, underground release back then mm-hmm. that was very much underground rap. Mm-hmm. Um, and to his credit, he really drastically changed his style to fit the platform he got, which I think is amazing. Yeah. And and overlooked in terms of the importance of uh, of a musician. Um but as a battle rapper, which is how I first saw him yeah. battling at Scribble Jam. Yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah. yeah. His punchlines were amazing. He had this like very much like he does in Eight Mile actually, mm-hmm. this like underdog look mm-hmm. and quality and almost like staring at his feet you know yeah. scared yeah but then he would just unleash yeah which was very cool to watch yeah um i think he got beat by juice juice his, his first chicago, year at scribble jam chicago yeah. mc yeah. 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 yeah um and juice is amazing as well yeah i'm trying to get off track here so i don't have to no, answer my last two i mean dude <laughs> that's that's amazing that you got to see that i feel i feel really lucky to yeah. have been in the right place at the right time watching um atmosphere come up uh-huh. you know watching yeah. aesop rock come up yeah. watching def jux and rhyme sayers become def jux and rhyme sayers right. yeah. um you know getting to have conversations with idea after he performed mm-hmm. and and he was on this like idea and abilities idea and abilities yeah, yeah, yeah. he's like i'm doing this different thing and i'm not sure people are getting it yeah. and i remember sitting down with him and he's almost teary like i don't i don't understand if people are understanding yeah and i'm like honestly i don't know <laughs> if it matters like yeah. people saw your passion up there yeah that's what struck me yeah i'm gonna buy the record and i'm gonna listen to your lyrics because i love your lyrics but your performance was one of the best performances i've ever seen uh-huh. you know well and you're that's a good wrap up for all this too is that and i've had this as well you know it's like low points or you wake up in the middle of the night and you're like this isn't going to work anymore i think that's right. a, a good point that maybe younger creatives <laughs> yeah to hammer in that just like we all hit these low points and then you just deal with them and then yeah. you kind of come back but and if you're doing something new you can't expect everybody to catch on immediately it's no, new and, and they're probably not like that going back to Kobe Bryant too he had to self-publish his children's books right because he was making them right. in a different way that wasn't just princesses and Kobe Bryant who has all the connections in the world had to start his own right. children's book publishing thing because exactly. people didn't get it and then he goes Jay-Z on to win Jay-Z couldn't uh, get signed Jay-Z couldn't get signed Kanye West couldn't get signed yeah, yeah. Which, yeah. well, that's an interesting story too. Jay Z couldn't get signed, and then Jay Z wouldn't sign Kanye West. Right until he, like, <laughs> you know, until he stood on his himself. table and yeah. <laughs> rapped to him, or whatever. Whatever so, the story is, yeah. So I think anytime you're you're going in a different direction, um, it's always going to be drawing inspiration from somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like the idea of doing new things and yeah. and being being a little confusing to people like they're like why do i like this yeah yeah. why do i need this Uh, this isn't something i've thought about before i enjoy that and i think most really creative people enjoy that and 
and it's it could feel hard and scary and like it's not working at first because we've been taught this like overnight success model right but that's not reality no you know and you have to keep working at it you have to stay authentic to your vision you have to let your vision change Mm -hmm. if that's where you feel like you need to go Mm -hmm. um and then you know if you're making a dope thing it will it will work eventually people will catch on as you believe in it more and more and more for longer and longer and you get towards your 10,000 hours. Yeah. That's yeah. what I love about what you do. Yeah. Like it's a, you were building a thing at a time when print magazines were faltering. Um, but doing it in a really authentic way to your vision, mm-hmm. to the voice that you saw needed in the climbing community. Mm-hmm. And you were just like, this, this is a, print magazine this is by climbers for climbers this isn't this isn't a watered down version of climbing media Mm -hmm. you know i'm gonna Mm -hmm. say the things i need to say and that's that's why i love that you published devin's article Mm -hmm. you know i talked to devin when he was when he was talking to the other publications and was having some issues and i was like pull it man don't don't put it out there if they want all these changes Mm -hmm. you know give it to luke 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 will print it, you mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. and he had worked with you in the past and it just yeah. made sense. Yeah. And, yeah. And I love that you're the authentic voice in, in the climbing world. We're trying and trying to give people their voice or just publish. That's a yeah, editing exactly. style that I use that a lot exactly. of other right publishers don't is that I, I, I edit to embrace their style, which versus um, making it one style. Mm-hmm. And I think that's been very effective. And then this whatever modern audience is consuming this, because I know my, my audience is like 16 to 80 or whatever. It's like, right. they're craving that. And that, that goes yeah. back to you. And there's a reason Devin's come up so much is because he's doing something creative within the climbing space that someone like me or you that's like kind of philosophical type people are like, oh, I didn't even think about this. And I've been thinking about this my whole life. Yeah. You know, and he's, and so, he's young. Yeah. He's authentic. He's, he falters sometimes in his belief in himself but has the foresight the ability the skill to be able to reach out to people Mm -hmm. as mentors Mm -hmm. to help him through those situations Mm -hmm. which is something i am terrible at Mm. and want to get better at so i love being one of those voices for Devin because it helps me see how he moves in that space yeah. So that I get better at it. it that's really know? interesting that we need that too. It's like totally, we are totally. the mentors to a lot of generation. We wanna we wanna take that on, whether it's in, in the in the various forms. But yeah, we need we need to be vulnerable and and, yeah. and look out for other ways we can do our stuff yeah. better and, and have our own. And and there are there are older people in our community that can mentor us, but sometimes it's even younger people that can bounce an idea. We can bounce an idea or yeah. or just being there for each other, being of the same, you know, mm-hmm. ilk. Um, all right, dude, you got one, one left. <laughs> dude, is it just, I think I have two left actually. No, you, you said Black but Thought, yeah. Q-Tip, Andre. Tip, Andre, Black Thought. Eminem. Oh, I want to put Eminem in there. Yeah. I have to put Jay in. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I think his longevity can't be overlooked. Um, I just played, you know, an early, early Jay-Z Jazzo song for uh-huh. my wife. Uh-huh. And she's like, this is really fast. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, yeah, this is how people used to rap. Yeah. And, and Jay-Z so in funny. his first appearance was the best at it, uh-huh. you know? Yeah. And he's been able to... But it's certainly not... You don't look at it like, that's good. You don't, you no, don't see the Jay-Z now. you see now. Like, not now. Yeah, if any, any hip-hop fans, Google the early Jay-Z stuff. And he he kind of almost sounds gimmicky. Yeah, yeah. like Hawaiian Sophie, I right, think, yeah, was yeah. the first big song he yeah. was on. Um, Quali re- references that. Yeah. Did you read Quali's book? I, I have not read his book. I actually have been meaning to get it. I'm glad you I should have brought said it that. up. Uh, um, a, yeah, I w- Quali, maybe I'll mail it to you. Quali is somebody yeah. I got to watch become a star. No kidding. Um, High Tech, who produced yeah, from Cincinnati, Black right? Star, is yeah. from Cincinnati. Yeah, so yeah. I've known High Tech forever. Yeah. And I got to watch Black Star oh, early man. on, oh, some of their first shows. Dang. Um, so watching watching that stuff happen really helps me believe in a vision yeah doing a thing yeah um 
But I have to put Jay on for the reason that he's been so good at changing his style, shifting his views. Um, you know, I, I know 444 is not necessarily mentioned in his, like, best albums by a lot of people, but I think the vulnerability of, yep. like, Beyonce putting Lemonade out, yep. which basically is, like, if if Jay responded poorly to Lemonade, it <laughs> yeah. could have been the end of Jay's career. Of course, you know? yeah, yeah. But Jay instead, instead said... Yeah. Yeah, I, I fucked up. Yeah. You know, and he did. Yeah. So being able to admit that, to to make this creation, to put this out there into the world in the way that he has also been the the gangster, been the 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 hustler, yeah, um, been the the mogul, been the boss. Yeah. Put it out there in that same format and be vulnerable brilliant and beautiful and speaks to the growth of of this man and i can't i can't overlook that because it's what i hope to be able to do yeah yeah and that's that's full circle with the whole conversation too of what what climbers are what what we are as far as what our story is is i think we're at just creating the start of climbing culture now yeah you know the stone masters 70s dirtbag image is what is the archetype and and then the gangster is the archetype of the hip hop world. But I think Jay-Z would be, could be the perfect example of like where climbing could go. If a guy who's just like, you know, like big pimp and Jay-Z versus, you know, 444, like I'm in therapy, I'm growing as a human being. I'm like the most, I'm a billionaire yet. I have all these cracks Mm -hmm. in my armor, but that's who I am. And I think that's who we all need to be. You know, even if you are the strongest climber, you probably have, these vulnerabilities and, and some of the strongest climbers get that way because they have yeah or the most successful people get to that place because of their totally the cracks in their armor or whatever totally so, um shout out to jay-z <laughs> yeah yeah i yeah. wish devin was here because he can do a jay-z voice. yeah we'll do another episode uh hove <laughs> <laughs> we'll do another episode with devin so put that on yeah. the, the things to do with devin but dude thank you so much this is awesome and we're gonna go do a workshop here in a little bit and yeah, Chris and I are here for you. We uh, we survived some trials and tribulations, and um, we want to do everything everything we can for the climbing community. So. Yeah, and you know, don't hold me to that top five. I may <laughs> yeah. I may change my okay. mind tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> right Thanks. on, brother. Thanks, Luke. I appreciate it, man. You know, to be honest, if you're a hip hop fan out there and you have a top five dead or alive list that hasn't changed in 10 or 15 years you're just not paying attention anymore that's really all it comes down to luke thanks so much for the good conversation i'm looking forward to the next one for all of you out there you can find luke at the links in the show notes in your pocket supercomputer those will take you to the climbing zine they'll take you to the dirtbag state of mind podcast you'll be able to find all of luke's books all the things that he does The guy is creative for days, and I love seeing somebody use their creativity to fuel the rest of their life. So go check out Luke. Go check out what he's doing. I am just about to get in the car and head to Joe's Valley for the Joe's Valley Bouldering Fest, and I'm really looking forward to seeing all of you out there. Come see us at our table on Saturday at the Trade Fair. We're having a massive sale of a lot of our products, particularly our bouldering products, our boulder bag, our crag kit, our finger files, all those things. Big sale for everyone who will be in attendance. You can also take my clinic, Better Boulder Tactics, and you'll find a link for that right there in your show notes, in your pocket supercomputers as well. All right, you know where to find us, powercompanyclimbing.com. You can find us on the Instagrams, the Facebooks, the Pinterests, the YouTubes, at Power Company Climbing. And Luke is probably on the Twitter because he's a writer. But you're not going to find me there because we don't tweet. We scream like eagles.
Yo, yo, yo.